Hey, Five Oaks family and those of you joining us for worship, this is week seven of our prayer training series. Today we're going to focus on how to hear God. And here's a preview of where we're going. We're going to see that God has spoken and that God still speaks. So we need to be careful not to gag God, not to put God in a box as to how he can speak. Second, I want to explain why sometimes if we think we've heard from God, maybe we, maybe we ought to gag ourselves for a little while until we consider a few things. And then I'm going to offer a couple of pointers for how to hear from God. The prayer course study will go into some additional ways that we can listen and hear more clearly from God as he speaks to us. Before we begin, let's pray, and then we're going to hear God through the reading of Scripture. And just so you know, my location today is inspired by today's passage. You'll know what I mean when you hear it. Today's prayer of illumination is based on Hebrews chapter 3. Please pray the underlined portions with me. As we look to your word, turn our hearts and our eyes to you. Open our ears to hear from you. Speak to us and fill us with your spirit. Give us understanding as your truth is revealed. Renew in us a desire to join you in your mission in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 10, 9-23 About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So how can we hear God speak? Sometimes we don't hear God, I think, because we are inadvertently gagging him. So the first thing is, don't gag God. Our God has spoken and he still speaks. And we can hear God speak every day through his word when we read it or when we recall it and we seek illumination, we seek understanding and insight through the Holy Spirit. We call the Bible the word of God because the word of God calls it that. And we understand that it isn't a word for just some people in the past. It is his word for us today. It speaks to us today. If God doesn't still speak, 
then what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 is nonsensical. Here's what Paul wrote. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if scripture is the word of God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us, then God not only spoke, but he still speaks through his word. And the only way we can really hear him, the only way we can really comprehend him and get him is if he illuminates his word in our hearts. The Apostle Paul explains this at length in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's a passage that runs about 10 verses uh, from 6 to 16. And it's too long to read right now. But let me give you an abridged version. These are all Paul's words, but it's, it's abridged. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We speak in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why, that's why I say that the only way we can really hear God, comprehend Him, and get Him is if He illuminates His Word in our hearts. God has spoken in His Word, and He still speaks through His Word. If you want to hear from God, read His Word, reflect on it, reflect on it alone, and reflect on it certainly with other believers, meditate on it, chew on it, digest it. But don't gag God as if he can't now speak to us directly. The Bible is filled with God speaking directly to people. In the passage in Acts chapter 10, when God speaks to Peter as he prays on the roof of a house, that's a, a watershed moment, just a turning point in the story of God. Those kinds of revelations are actually few and far between, even in the Bible. But I think it would be gagging God if we argued that he can no longer or will no longer speak directly to us. I believe God can, and I believe God will. He does speak directly to us. I believe that, he's, that he says um, that he will, but when he does, he will speak in line with his word. When I say I believe he still speaks, I say that with a big fat asterisk. And I'll get to that in a moment. So, to hear from God, don't gag him. Listen through his word, seeking illumination through the Holy Spirit. Second, to hear from God, gag yourself. I believe God can and does speak directly to us and to our situations. It's always going to be in line with his revealed word. But there's a big, fat asterisk. Here it is. The clearer the voice and the more specific the message is to your life, the more you have to be careful before drawing any conclusions or before taking any action. So I'm not talking here 
about getting a simple prompting from God, like the kind of prompting where you get to call someone and maybe encourage them. I'm not talking about a piercing sense of conviction in your heart that something you've done, something you've said is harmful or damaging and it's hurtful and it's, it's, uh, it's sinful. I think I sometimes underestimate how much God speaks to me and to us in these ways. But what I'm talking about is about hearing from God in the big stuff in your life. I'm talking about making big decisions based on inner promptings and automatically calling it a word from God. In the big stuff, when you think God is speaking to you very clearly, don't automatically trust yourself. I say this because if you've read your Bible, you know that it says that our hearts are wicked and deceitful and that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. You know that the Bible has strict and stern warnings to those who claim to speak for God but are actually speaking for themselves. And you know that God's revelation in Christ and in the scripture isn't lacking. It contains all we need for doing God's will. So if you hear God speak and it's the big stuff, be quiet. Think about what you've heard. Pray about it. Seek godly counsel tested over against the scripture and within the faith community and if you decide to take the gag off share it carefully thoughtfully biblically lovingly humbly prefacing whatever it is that you're going to say with words like this I sense that God may be telling me and then share whatever it is that's the big fat asterisk if you want to hear from God, don't gag him and gag yourself until you're more confident it might actually be a word from him. Now here are a couple of pointers for hearing from God. The first one is to focus on the road, not the windshield. Okay, that, that sounds like it's uh, from far out in left field, but it's a metaphor. Um, it's a metaphor that I hope, hope will, will help. Down there in the Five Oaks driveway is my car. Look at the windshield. How good of a driver would I be if I focused on the windshield while I'm driving instead of focusing on the road and what's on the road? Here's what I'm trying to say in this metaphor. When we get all caught up and focused on how to hear God speak directly to us, we miss the point of prayer. Our focus in prayer should be on the God who speaks. His word focuses on the God who speaks. Most of what you need to hear from God and do will be shaped. It's going to be shaped by what we can read in his word about him and about his character and then the way that it forms our character. Most of what we need to do will be shaped by his kingdom agenda, which he has laid out for us. And I suspect that when God speaks, most of the time he's just drawing us back to his word, reminding us of the scripture that we have already hidden in our hearts. In fact, I think he does that a lot. Sometimes we get focused on what God wants us to do. We may have multiple options. They may be all good and moral options. Things like, should I marry this person? Or should I remain single for now? Should I choose this school or that school? Should I take this job or that job or stay in the job that I'm at? Are you waiting for God to tell you? 
he's not likely to make it easy for you. I say that because of something that I read Jen Wilkins, um, something that she wrote uh, a while back. And here's, here's what she said. She said, often we pray for wisdom when in fact we're seeking knowledge. Tell me what to do, Lord. Tell me which commitment to accept, what words to say, where to live, and who to work for. We may even remind God that in James 1.5, he told us that we would receive wisdom if we asked. But we are not asking for understanding. We are asking for information. And in doing so, we betray our unwillingness to move from immaturity to maturity as a disciple. Do you see that? She's talking about character there, character that makes decisions in line with God's agenda. And here's the thing, there's usually not just one God-approved answer to most of those questions. If there were only one answer, one way, then you need to be very careful what you do when you finish watching this sermon. Because if you don't do the one right thing when you get done here, and then the one right thing after that, and then again and again do the right thing, you're going to be so far out of God's will that you'll never find your way back. You can't live like that. And God isn't asking you to live like that. Don't focus on the windshield. Don't focus on hearing a direct word from God. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on his kingdom and his righteousness. Somebody famous said something like that when he saw how worried we get about things. Who, who that is evades me. So the first pointer for hearing from God is to focus on the road and not on the windshield. Focus on God and his kingdom. Don't focus on hearing his direct word. The second thing is drive defensively. I say that because driving defensively is really about paying attention. Jerry Maris, many of you know him, used to be on our staff and he was a former cop. And he told me something that he learned in his uh, driver training as a cop. He said they were taught to look farther ahead than what they would naturally look. He said they were told to lift up their eyes, look farther into the horizon. Well, Lois, my wife, she's always chiding me for getting in the wrong lane as we approach a stoplight. She says, she says, there's a truck in this lane. Why don't you move over to the other lane? And I say what I say about a lot of things. I didn't see it. I once asked her, how is it that she notices those things? And she explained, driving is my video game. I'm constantly looking ahead to, to pick the quickest way to get where I'm going. I just, I've turned it into a game. Well, driving defensively is all about paying attention. Most of the time, when God speaks to us, he doesn't put us into a trance and drop down a sheet from heaven. He doesn't even do that very often in the Bible. Most of the time when he speaks, he speaks in nudges and leadings that we miss because we're not looking for it. So we're not paying attention. Here's another way to put it. If you wanna hear God better in prayer and in life, don't pray and live like I drive. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, 
I want you to think about what the writer of Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven after he had purified, had provided purification for sins. That's what he did when on the cross his body was broken for us. I encourage you to take the bread and eat it, remembering his broken body for you. Now, take the cup and drink it, remembering that his blood was shed for the remission of your sins. If your kids are not yet celebrating communion with you, pray the blessing that is on the screen. God bless you.